Welcome to Mark Hummel's Harmonica Party. I'm here with my friend Jason Ricci, who we go way back. Um, Jason is actually up here at the Yellow Pine Harmonica Festival that we're playing together. And Jason did a very fiery set as usual last night and uh, uh, made, I'm sure, a lot of new fans and saw some of your, your, your people that already knew you, right? Yeah. Yeah, so um, we're just going to talk a little bit about uh, Jason's road into music and uh, a little bit about his just some of his uh, stories that he's got because he's done quite a he's had quite a life so far. Yeah, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and and we go back to when you were what were you seventeen when I first met yeah. you? Seventeen in, in, in Boise, yeah. Because I had, state we're in, I, so. I had like uh, I'd gotten kicked out of school and I got a GD. Right. So I was in college before my class had graduated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, out here and uh, and Ken Harris. There's a club here called the Blues Bouquet. Right, Ken's actually here right now. Yeah, and yeah. Ken had kind of got me. Like, I was interested in this a little bit, and uh, Ken was like, okay, if, if you're going to do it, like, he, he had a blues club. Right. He was like, I'll pay you 10 bucks to come. Yeah. So you can play, because that's and what I wanted. basically sit in the door, he told me. Right, right, yeah, yeah. or on the stage, right, right yeah. Right. And then, um, but you have to learn this stuff. Right. And, it, and he'd give me, like, a little Walder thing. and I Right. And then I'd show, like, the first time I showed up, I'd be like, he'd be like, it was Juke. Wow. The first song that he wanted yeah, to learn. Yeah, that's the first thing yeah. he asked me about when I right. met Right, yeah. I still couldn't play it, but like right. it, that he would be like, uh, okay, well, play it for me before the, you know, before the day, and I and I would I would say, well, put the tape on. Right. And he'd be like, no, play it without the tape, but I, I right. can't, I can't, we'll come back next week. Right. And he did that to me a few, a few weeks yeah. in a row, you know, that's before, and then, and then he kind of like took pity on me because I was trying, right. you know, but I, right. I think I thought that I knew it and I didn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then it was right. like with you and then you, I was like, I hit the first note. You're like wrong. <laughs> yeah. Like, well yeah. now, no, no, my, my question. Okay. Cause you, you're from Maine originally. Yep. Born and raised. In Portland, yep, Maine. Portland. And then was Boise the second place you came to? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Boise, then I remember seeing you back in Maine after that, as I recall. Right, I was just home for the summer and, yeah. and hanging out with Nick Curran right. and stuff. And yeah. you and Nick basically started, you and Nick Curran played, started playing music together? Yeah, we played in like some of Nick's first bands that were not his like high school bands. Right. Because Nick was playing his whole life. Because his right. dad was had the oldest uh, blues band in New England called the Upsetters. Really? And there's a great harmonica player in the band named who we, nobody talks about, named Dave Wakefield, who was a sax player too, and played. That wasn't the Blue Lights band, was it? No, okay. I mean it was like you, there was also um, D.W. Gill's band. And I know, you know D.W. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, but but no, the the Upsetters were had been, were an institution, but they only played in Maine, really, as far okay. as I knew. Kind of like BW in a way. Right. Yeah. Mike yeah. Curran was Nick's, oh, really? Nick's dad wow. was a guitar player. Okay. So that must have had a big impact on him playing. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I, I like, so when I met Nick, he was already really, really good. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I was just yeah. kind of getting... Now, how old was he when you met him? 15. 
And you were 15 at the same time? No, I was like 17 or 18. Because okay, I didn't so meet him until older. after Boise. Right. Okay. Like, yeah, because I didn't care about blues. Right. So when I say we grew up together, I mean, we, <laughs> we grew up together like before we were 21. Right. But, but still, like, he would stay overnight at my mom's house and was stuff. He, was and he into punk rock? Were you guys both no, into punk rock? No, that's the thing. I was. Mm-hmm. He wasn't into that shit. Interesting. He was like, you know, that's that's, so that's not really good music. So you know, you know yeah. yeah. And, he gets and then into he it. gets into it later and acts like, oh, like, that's been that's me all my thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> Shut up, bro. Shut up, bro. That is funny. <laughs> he was into everything, though. Like, yeah. I mean, one night, though, like, not punk rock, but everything else. Like, one night, uh, he just did, out of nowhere, just did a whole Elvis night. Wow. And it was, like, perfect. I it bet. was better than any Elvis impersonator I I've yeah. ever seen in my I life. Bet. That guy was so great at channeling, channeling different singers and guitar yeah. players. And Little stuff Richard like that. and shit. Little Richard was I, Little Richard was off the charts. I heard he fooled Kim that he really you know because he was so good at the recording too. Yeah, 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 yeah. And mic placement and tube mics and making it yeah. sound like the fifties. That I heard he put it on and and, and asked him who who is this. And Kim said, "Little Richard." Wow, yeah, yeah. that's pretty good, that's, man. It's me. That's yeah. pretty good. That's great, man. But yeah, I got a lot of Nick stories, you know, yeah, just from that do. short. He was very shy. Yeah, yeah, very like. Yeah, and he did. He did like do any drugs or anything like that, you know. And he was into cars. And, yeah, and he had the hair, you know, already right. as a kid. He was like a fifties. Right. He did seem yeah. shy. I only met him one time, and I were feeling kind of bad because I <laughs> was sort of rousing him, you know. It's good. Like, it's good. I go, He's man, used- looks like you've been to the pimp store, and he kind of. <laughs> <laughs> he just got real shy, you know. He was really shy, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was a great kid. He was so like pure. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Great talent though, man. Way, way too early. Oh man, that one ripped me up. Yeah. Pretty good. I bet yeah. it did, yeah. So uh so like let's talk about um I mean the first time I saw you was in Boise. I think I met you up in Portland and then the third time I saw you was I wanna say was it in the nineties when I when I when you were with Big Al? Yeah, I mean, but I was a big fan of yours right away. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You were one of the first touring blues professional blues harmonica acts that I ever saw. Oh wow! But I already had your records of yours oh, okay. before. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I was trying to figure out all that stuff. But I, I and I was back then real into chromatic. Right. And to me, like, you and William Clark, you know, look, look, I don't want to say anything bad about the other guys, but you guys were using the button. Oh, well, thanks. And so I was like, I was into that. And I know know there are other guys who are fancy and stuff. Yeah, it was kind of an unusual thing in a way. Back then, and you were playing in first position and stuff like that. and, And I was real into chromatic and that sound of that and that West Coast thing. But like, yeah, but like, uh. I, I just liked it a lot, and I liked all. Of, and you also did like some unusual numbers, like. And you remember, I've asked you about this stuff. It radiates that charm right, and stuff right, like that. Right, so, right. so yeah. I would, I was really studying. And you're also your use of three drop bends was kind of like above the bar for a lot of the guys that I was seeing because you were hitting some jazzier kind of stuff. third position and stuff? No, even in second. Oh, in second. I mean, okay. but in third too. Yeah. But but yeah, like yeah, like you were yeah. using three draw. In third, way before most yeah. people, most yeah, like before, funny. before yeah. Kim was right. Yeah. Kim didn't do as much third until after. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. I was into that, 
So I and and I, so I was gonna go see you wherever you were. Oh, that's yeah, and nice. plus you were nice to me. Like, yeah, I yeah. mean, you were like, I mean, you were that like, kind you of were stuff like, makes a big who difference. Who is this yeah. kid or whatever? Man, that makes a huge difference when you're young. Yeah, and you would huge. like talk. There'd be other guys around that were like mm-hmm. you had known forever, and you would just let me sort of hang out. Right. And, and if I, I'd say something stupid, you'd still be friendly. Right. You know? That's yeah. how I felt about <laughs> Cotton. I remember hanging around Cotton when I was like 16, and it was like. I'm seeing all this stupid stuff, and he was so nice to me. It was like, that just had such an impact. Right. And some of the other guys, yeah. they kind of would. They I know, like, guys yeah. are kind of like, yeah, 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 yeah later, yeah. kid. Right, yeah, right, right, right. right. Yeah, that's true. Right. That makes a big difference. So, um, so Big Al and the Heavyweights, was that really the first touring band that you were Yeah, had? yeah, it was, I mean, to me, that was a big gig, like, I was already kind of, uh, I mean, I was trying to put my own thing together, right. but I was working in treatment um, as a detox clinician, Wow! which is a fancy word for saying like a babysitter that makes sure people don't die at night. Right. Yeah. You know, so basically, and if somebody, yeah. something happened, I just call. Right. I wasn't, I, I wasn't equipped to do anything other than basic CPR. Right. But wow. I, I did that for a year. And I was in North Carolina with Eric Deaton. We had a band together, and I had known Eric from Jackson, Mississippi, and stuff. And uh, now, didn't you live in Mississippi for a minute? I did. When I first moved to Memphis from Idaho, and right. lived there, I, wow. I moved there to be around Pat Ramsey. Interesting. So I had a regular job at waiting tables. At now, a, how did you yeah. meet Pat? I was driving home from Idaho to Maine for the summer uh-huh. and decided just to stop in, in Memphis to see what was happening on, huh. a, on a random night. Wow. And then remember, there's no internet or anything. I just right. kind of go see what it is. So I went to Beale Street. I had heard about it. And I'm walking down and I hear this amazing harmonica. And it's it's Billy Gibson. Oh, And okay. he's like my age. And that was right. like really weird at right. that time because there was nobody in their 20s playing yeah. her good harmonica. Right. He was doing uh, Right to Trust My Baby by oh, Sonny Boy. Interesting, okay. And was hitting all the little microtone bands yeah, yeah, yeah. with the good hand walk. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, man, he goes, you think I'm good? He goes, wait till you see the next guy. And then Pat got up and... At that point, like Madison Slim and you and everybody had told me, listen, all them fast guys stay away from those guys. Right? <laughs> but I heard this guy, and it was all blue notes. Yeah. It's not like the top end of the harp. This right. was all bend notes on the bottom. Real, mm. so it was like Butterfield on steroids. Right. And I'd heard a little bit of Mad Cat doing it, but this was more like almost mechanical, like sounded like Johnny Winter playing guitar. Right. On a harmonica. Who he played with. Right. And yeah. I, I didn't know that or anything. Right. And then wow. I and then I so I told him that night, I said, I'm moving back here. I'm quitting college and moving back here. So <laughs> I went home. Because what are you thinking? <laughs> I went home, I landscaped yeah. for the summer. Uh-huh. I got a thousand dollars saved. And I moved to Memphis. Wow. And I just went into every single... I mean, Pat ran a jam on Tuesday nights at Blue City, and then he had a gig on Wednesday night. So in a lot of ways, he was kind of the architect in a way for your style to a certain degree. I think he's the skeletal structure, even more so than little Walter. Behind almost everything I play. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. But well, he, he didn't you know, know, one thing I really yeah. like about you, you're one of the few hard players that really acknowledges where you got stuff. From. I love Pat. And yeah. I love I love all them old guys too. And yeah. Pat didn't really like I mean I mean he liked little Walter, but he never learned any of it. Right. It was right. weird. Yeah. 
And he was also kind of a blue-eyed soul singer, too. Oh, my God. Yeah, he was a really good singer. Yeah, he was really mean to me. About, was he? About singing. Was he? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you stole all my licks and you can't sing your way out of a paper bag. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, he got, he was a really good singer. Oh, my God. He was I, incredible. I, yeah, it he was, really was a true blue-eyed soul singer. There was nothing like yeah. it. And, uh, you know, and there was Curtis that could sing like that. And, you know, right. and then Delay was interesting, too. Right. But not Delay like was that. great. Right. But it was a yeah. different thing, you know. Yeah. Pat was incredible. Watching those, those gigs night after night after night and stuff, but. Right. It was really, really amazing. Yeah. 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 And I would just go home and try to learn everything from, from memory. So in a lot of ways, your your the chromatic interest sounds like it developed into the overblow thing. Yeah, I kind of, I, my, my, I mean, I liked the sound of octaves and amplified chromatic. Like, mm -hmm. And I still do. Like, my next record, I'm going back. I'm doing some mm -hmm. chromatic stuff. I'm brushing up at home. Wow. Yeah, but I'm not ready to pull it out yet. Um, I wrote a couple of songs that quite I really hate to hear that, Jason. Oh, it's not going to be that good. <laughs> it, it, the songs are cool, actually. But it's stuff that, like, no matter how well I play it on diatonic, it won't sound as good on that. And that's the only reason I'm playing the instrument, is it's just certain things it just sounds better for. Yeah, I just think chromatic and diatonic have such different sounds. I, I just, like, kind of gravitated away from it, and I don't know why... Um, the Boss by William Clark came out, and I mean, I was blown away right. by that record. Yeah, that's a great record. And that and that and that title track, oh, da, 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 yeah, I was like, right. wow, yeah. Right, is that yeah. the one with Benny Moat and Swing and all that? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a great record. Yeah, I was talking to yeah. at your gig. I was right. talking to Jeanette, or is it right. Janelle or right. Jeanette? Jeanette? Janelle. Yeah. yeah, I was talking to her about that number, and right. she said Bill was like stressed about it. Well, you know, I mean, I found out from her that she was, that he was very, he was kind of threatened by, I mean, she told me this later, she goes, she goes, you know, Bill always thought, you know, that you could play all the stuff that he couldn't play oh, on wow. chromatic. Yeah, that's what she said, and I never got that from Clark. I always kind of got yeah. this impression like, oh, I'll kick your ass on yeah. you know, I just always kind of got that from him, but, you know, I mean... He was very aware of kind of, you know, all the other players. And me and him got along good. We got yeah, good friends. I'd love to hear some stories. We've never really talked about yeah. him. Yeah. No, he was, he was I a was, good friend. I was scared to go see him. I, could, I had one opportunity. I, uh, yeah, I, he I was kind of a scary guy. <laughs> he was a I little intimidating. I missed it. I missed it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, he was intimidating. But, I mean, you know, the thing about him was he had, you know, that same thing that I think uh, – uh, uh, Paul DeLay had it too, that just really focus thing, you know, that was totally, they'd kind of find something and they'd really focus in mm. on it and get it. Yeah. You know? DeLay's honesty for yeah. me was a huge That's that's yeah. That's how I feel too. Yeah, DeLay was, he was a huge influence on me. But I mean, the button thing, yeah. you know, I got to admit, I got into that the same time as, as Clark did. We both kind of got into, and I think a lot of that was the, the roundabout through George... Smith yeah, because I still love all those. Uh, I'd be—I guarantee you—if you played like the "Left My Heart" in San Francisco for Jimmy Smith, the right. or, the organist, right. I guarantee you he would go, "Oh my God, is that hip?" Yeah, right. Like, yeah. what? How can I play yeah. it more like that? Right. right? Like, 
And I didn't think it was hip when I first heard it. I was like, <laughs> why would you want to do that? But, you know, I heard him do Summertime and all yeah. these songs that yeah. I ended up later adapting. You know, The Humble Bug is really uh, boogieing with George. Dude, and, that that yeah. song of yours, yeah. that... That, that. See, I just took that boogie in with George and added all kinds of stuff to but it. But you did so much that it's, to me, I mean, I can see there's an influence, but yeah. it doesn't sound like it, dude. No, I mean, it, that, it morphed into its own I thing. learned Hummelbug yeah. once, yeah. and then I got to the improv section, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, I didn't really improv on that, man. Oh, I thought no, some of it was. No, oh. no, no. That's totally okay. note for note every but you time. Could. It's like it's like it's like what Magic Dick with with Whammer Jammer. Same thing. But yeah, you could though. You could well, improvise. I could. And I did see. improvise on some later recordings since Yeah. Yeah. I did I bet they love that stuff at Spa because you're you know they're you know. Well the yeah, because a lot yeah. of the, the blues guys won't touch a chromatic in different keys like that. Yeah. 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 But um, anyway, like uh, with with uh, with uh, um, Memphis, you eventually ended up living with Junior Kimbrough. Yeah, so uh, so I was I was working at this Italian restaurant, and then I was I, I got fired from there, and then like all of a sudden, like I met this like producer engineer guy, and we were doing drugs together, and then I started doing I like skipped the middleman and was starting going right to the drug people. Right. And then uh, I was already, like, out of control. Like, already. Yeah. And uh, it was, like, a matter of a month that it went from zero to 60. And, wow. and I had never, like, touched cocaine or anything. And, so like, you were in a Coke? Crack right away. Oh, man. I mean, it started off with Coke for, like, a week. Yikes. And then it was crack. Oh, man. And then, um, I mean, it was bad. And uh, then David Kimbrough... And uh, uh, Kenny uh, Kimbrough, Dwayne Burnside, and uh, Gary Burnside were walking down the street in Memphis and met me. And then they gave me a gig in Holly Springs. And the gig was basically, I just lived with David. And hmm. then I played Sunday nights and sometimes other stuff. Were they into drugs or not? No. like they, So they kind of helped clean you up. Yeah, I mean, if, and if they were, they kept it from me. Like, yeah. I think David might have had, like periods of relapse or periods of maybe dealing uh -huh. drugs or something but and i know other guys did yeah deal but right. didn't didn't do them and i know a couple of the other guys that did do them mm -hmm. okay but they kept that for me i was allowed to smoke weed and mm. drink right interesting yeah. yeah yeah and they kept me pretty good david genuinely cared for me but that she was crazy too you know what i mean that whole time period down there yeah. There was some nuts things that happened. Da David had a very, very hard life and had been to prison a wow. couple of times already and had very complicated relationship, blues music versus, you know, gospel. Right, yeah. secular wow. and non-secular. And, and that played into, like, uh, periods of of conflict for him inside, and, and, and it, was, it was hard to be around. That's and, not unusual. No, and it, I don't yeah. think it was unusual either that yeah. I found I, that like I, I sought out first Pat, who was already also in recovery mm -hmm. and was sober. And that was like a, a, a role model. And then I ended up with David, who was a lot like my father, except black and from the South. But in terms was, of was he, his relationship with alcohol, was he older? David was a little older than me, like yeah. 10 years older than me, yeah. you know, but had his shit together more than I did, you know uh -huh. what I mean? 
Yeah. But there was a lot of that Jekyll and Hyde and a lot of uh, genetic alcoholism, genetic personality disorders, probably, you know, whatever you want to classify that shit as now. We didn't, it was just fucked up, you know. Wow. Pardon my language, yeah. Well, that sounds like, uh, it sounds like a a real kind of, a lot of lessons were learned early on. I had to get out, man. I mean, uh, you know, one night, David and I got into it physically, which was just David. Yeah. I couldn't do anything. Wow. He was a big dude. Yeah. I I always knew they were uh, of Native American descent. um, Really? Because, well, first I thought about it because of the music. Uh Uh-huh. Like, I had heard some powwow recordings. Interesting. And I... It, and it was the only thing that, like, okay, because, like, RL, you can hear, like, the relationship between right. Fred McDowell. Right, and, I can and, hear and, that, yeah. But when you listen to Junior, it's yeah. it's weirder. There's something yeah. else there, right? Huh. And I had heard some powwow recordings. Wow. And um, they sounded, like, more influenced. And when you listen to, like, Other Turner with the drums and fight right. and stuff, right. there's this, all this Native American influence. And then David's cheekbones and and the color they had a red tinge in Junior too, and I only recently found out from Cam Kimbrough that they are Cherokee uh, wow. of descent. Yeah, and and, uh, and I found out also that Junior still spoke some Cherokee. Whoa! And would speak to Cam and David in Cherokee, which I never got to actually witness. What a trip! So right, and so that's interesting to me too, coming from. New Orleans with the Mardi Gras Indian right, culture and that right, being a, absolutely. A, something that my wife primarily, but me, I've gotten musically, I'm into it. She's into it culturally. She's been lis- right. listening to a lot of the elders and stuff talk about what where, where stuff comes from and what is exactly happening on those Super Sundays. So you knew those guys from way back, the North Mississippi All-Stars. I didn't know them. I, they came to Juniors once, and the only reason I even knew it was them was they were white kids that were not yet 18 uh-huh. and I was worried for them but they were fine they just sat in the corner and you watched. were worried for them because they were white kids yeah, yeah. that yeah. they not that the, anything bad was going to happen to them but they get taken advantage of right, right. And, and honestly at that point I was poor too I had the thought of maybe what could I get <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, because I did that. If you were drugging, I yeah, did shit yeah. like that. Like when white guys would come, or harmonica players, so they, they, you know, like you, you, sometimes you see on people's bios that say fronted the band at Junior Kimbros. Right. Like okay, yeah, meaningless. Let me yeah. tell you what happened. Okay, they were gambling. Right. And didn't want to go on stage. Right. Right. And they just let you do it, and they yeah. didn't care. And you yeah. had like a drummer. Right, that was it, right? Like, yeah. maybe, right, yeah. So like, so were the Black Keys really in that scene at all? No, I didn't even know about them until, like, the early 2000s. Yeah. And they and I was a little, actually, the reason I never did any North Mississippi music was because of the popularity of the, of the All-Stars and the Black Keys. I was a little protective yeah. of it. And I, first of all, I felt like, how dare you? Right. Like, because, well, the way... The Black Keys are, and I don't care if they're listening or not, the, the way they were, when they came out, they dropped a cover band record. Yep. It was Junior Kimbrough and R.L. Burnside cover songs Wow! with no real mention in the liner notes at, at all That's of awful. where yeah. this music came from. That's and, awful. And, and, yeah. and it's like, and, and it's not That's like. That's not right. And I yeah. had the thought yeah. before that to do and exploit exactly that right. way. 
Right. Because I knew this music would be hip with kids. Yeah. Because it had a and punk it edge. It was. It yeah. had a punk edge to right. it. Right. Was the guy at uh, that that ended up recording all those guys? Fat Possum. Fat Possum. Yeah. And uh, and just that you know that whole kind of what they what they ended up doing was very much you know exploitive exploitive and, and, yeah. and I just didn't want to be part of it yeah and like and it was so trendy and right. it, and and it's like and then well it, it didn't get trendy until our RL cut that album with John Spencer Blues Explosion right right and that which was by far the worst yeah RL of his I, records I, I mean, yeah. I mean, th yeah. th there's actually not a bad RL record until that one. Yeah, <laughs> and, and like, and that's everybody's favorite today. Right, right? it is like right. just screaming. It kind of reminds me of the Buddy Guy record that they did too. Same sort I kind of kinda like that Which, one. It, it has some good stuff. On I kind of like that yeah, one. It has yeah. some good stuff on it. I mean, but they were going like fucking motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. They were getting RL drunk as they I think, could possibly. I think a get lot it. of it was it was that kind of rebellious. It was the rebellious nature of what the old blues guys could be yeah. that they glommed onto. Oh, and they pushed it. You know, and, they, and they pushed yeah, it. Yeah. These guys are bad men. They've right. been to prison. They've worked on parchment farm. They got guns. Yeah, they got they're, guns they're and They're misogynistic. Yeah. Yeah. I went to R.L.'s house. Okay. It was insane. Yeah. Well, there was a... Thirteen there's, there's, kids. It was crazy. Like, yeah, but they yeah. That. Eric escaped all that. Eric Eaton and, and yep. you know and, and Kenny Brown too. Like well, Kenny Kenny, yeah, so, so Kenny, Kenny was deep into it. Well, Kenny just wandered through the woods and found RL. Like they wow. were living next door. Wow. And, and like and just so they so Kenny Kimbrough is not like a white person that went there like me. Yeah. Like a tourist sort of. Yeah. Kenny is from that area. Yeah. And his poor white background, right? Poor from poor white sharecroppers, right? Right. Okay. So he's grew, way more in it than Kenny's yeah. father knew RL's father, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Way more in it. Oh yeah. 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 They, he's. I I think it's very very safe to say, despite his color, he's one of those people. Right. He's absolutely. Did he take the Kimbrough last name? Uh, no. Uh, what Kenny Brown? Yeah. Why? Well, you what? said Kenny Kimbrough. Oh no, I meant I meant Kenny Brown. I'm sorry. Okay, no, I just, yeah. Kenny Kimbrough is junior son. Okay, I just got right. it mixed up. Okay, I'm so that's sorry. All right. That's yeah, right. no, but yeah. 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 All right. Well, yeah. I mean, I I I totally agree, and it's kind of like I got to admit. I mean, you know, my feeling about you know a lot of what was happening with what that was it was a money making machine for the old guys. Yeah. You know, but the fat they, possum they, tours and all but that. They didn't make any money. Bro, they really? Did, I mean, on the tours, maybe. Yeah. But not on the other Not side. on the recordings? Wow. That's cold, man. That's really cold. It was awful. Yeah. And they're still not. They're, they still can't get it. Yeah, it's complicated. Sure it is. Cam Kimbrough is really together. Yeah. Really together and um, making some amazing music. Robert Kimbrough Sr., too, is making some good music. Mm -hmm. We just lost David two years ago. Wow. Kate and I went to the funeral. Yeah. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah. It was sad. It was really, yeah. really sad. Yeah. 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 It's, it was well, it's a real, you know, I mean, when you get down to it, it's a real complex thing about black blues musicians in the South and white musicians coming into it. Yeah. It gets very, very uh, yeah. political and sensitive and and cultural appropriation and all the stuff that goes with it. I was really aware of that right away. Like, yeah. um, I was made aware of it. 
mm-hmm. by them. Yeah. Um, right I away. Bet. Right away. I bet. And so it was a matter of survival that I learned to be Jason. Hmm. And right away. Yeah. Otherwise, it was not going to fly. Right. Like I get, I'd get my ass whooped. Yeah. At best. Yeah. Killed at worst. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, one of the reasons that I went in such a modern direction with blues... Was because of that? Yeah, because yeah. those guys were like, dude, be you. Interesting. Like, don't play. Yeah. Like, that happened a long time ago. Like, yeah. I'm glad you know it and like it. Right. Interesting. But, right. Yeah. That's interesting. And yeah. also, that's what they were doing, too, in their yeah, own way. They yeah. were doing right? that. Like, David yeah. could they play... Were, his, they were doing that, yeah. David Kimbrough could play Junior's music, but he, right. and he did... But for a portion of the night in yeah. tribute. Yeah. And then the rest of the night he did David. Yeah. Which was more like Bobby Rush or Prince. Right. Or something like that right. than, than it was like no, I Kimber. Get that. Yeah. I get that. I mean, I got to admit, I, I came up in blues in a more kind of, uh, I think I was always looking for the real traditional kind of thing. Well, and it was kind of like. Yeah. That's what really kind of wrote me in. So it was kind me of like, too, though. Yeah. Like that's what I mean. I still have a a real uh, I don't know what's the word admiration for appreciation. For yeah, it, for yeah. all of that Chicago mm-hmm. stuff and and West Coast stuff too, and and you and you and Primich and and everybody else and Kim and everybody yeah. that came. But like, but like when I got down there and I heard that music and I, well, I can understand it. And I was like, okay, wait a minute, this isn't even considered blues by the people that tell me what blues is. Right. And look who's playing it. Right. Black right. people who right. are related to Fred McDowell, right. who are related right. to John Lee Hooker. So what is this paradigm I've been taught? And then and then yeah. and then Johnny Adams and and uh and then Bobby Rush, and then uh, and Walter Cla- Washington, Clarence yeah. Carter, Walter right. Washington, yeah. and this whole black blues scene yeah. with black festivals yeah. that are attended only by black people. Right. That still people on like Blair, Blues Lovers, uh, the, the Facebook page, they don't even want to talk about it. They don't acknowledge it. Right. They, they're like, oh, there's no black people at blues festivals. There's entire black blues festivals. <laughs> right. You just don't call it blues. Right. You're a white person telling right. them what blues is yeah. and then telling us that we're racist. The, the, ir- <laughs> the ironic part, part of the whole thing, I mean, you know, I know, I know Bobby Rush, and Bob, yeah. Bobby's always been really nice, super nice. He's great, yeah. and he's very supportive of you know what I do and yeah. what a lot of other musicians yeah. I play with do. But he's kind of like, you know, he's coming at it from a different angle. He's coming at it from an angle of this is what I listened to when I was young. Yeah. And that's how come he appreciates it. Yeah. He appreciates it because there's a certain thing in his life that, you know, he heard Little Walter and Chicago yeah. Blues, and he relates to that thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, Corky Siegel told me the same thing. He goes, he goes, you know, when I hear you, it reminds me of those old days. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, I look at it from that angle. I mean, if I can get that. Yeah, but, like, your, you set, know, your set last night was... You know, cool. I it, mean, was I, it was different. Yeah. <laughs> and I was I was really into it. Yeah. Like for what? Oh, cool, yeah, man. like for the first song. I was like, oh, God, cool. I went right after the show was over. I, I went to Randy and I was like, yeah. hey, who wrote that first number? What's, you know, where'd you, where'd the, you know, where do I get that stuff? Like, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and the funny thing is, I mean, for myself, I found myself going back 
to stuff I like stopped listening to 30, 40 years ago, 40, 40 something yeah. years ago. Yep. I stopped listening to psychedelic music and right. and all the stuff that got, I, I think that's something that happens when you get older is you find yourself well, kind of going back in the same way Bobby Rush or James Cotton, those well, guys did the same thing. Well, when I was putting out those records on Delta Groove, that's yeah. what was happening. Because, yeah. see, when I when I came out of the closet, I had this boyfriend, and we had been together for a lot of years, and I'm keeping it secret and shit. And I come out, well, I didn't just come out as gay or bisexual. I came out as, well, I also like the Pixies right. and the Ramones. <laughs> yeah, right. And not only that, I'm going right. to put it on the record. Right. Yeah, it's, right. going, it's going on the record. Right, right. And I remember one time sitting with you. And yeah, I, and I, I remember I, that. And I remember and, that. And you're pulling out, you got the CD box right. collection. Right. It's like Nick Drake and like all this stuff with this hip shit in there. And like, and I'm like, well, how come, Mark, how come you aren't playing any of this stuff? Yeah, well, I was kind of scared to. Well, that's okay. That's what it was. I, I was mean, scared to. Yeah, we we can be ourselves, right? You know, like, I'm in. I'm into like. I mean, I'm like. I got way into uh, Big Star for a while. I don't know that. They're they're from Memphis. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think it's great. Yeah. I think I think I thought think your set last night was one of the well, best. Thanks. Was the best yeah. ones that ever. And I like the down on me. I'm like, talking about Alex Chilton. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think a lot of it for most of us musicians is you don't want to get stuck in something that this is the only thing you get to do. Yeah, you know, you know it's, saying? it's funny for me because, like, after going through all of that, I've kind of come back to a place where I'm like, I'm just going to chill. I just want to play, and I want to make, make some really good blues. Right. And I want to record it right. Right. And I want the guitar player to sound like this. Right. And you can do a little bit of your own thing, but, like, hey, come on. Like, at least for this number. Like, the new record I have coming out now, it's kind like, of a little more of that. It's back. It's back to, like, what I think I was more into when I was younger. Yeah. And then I kind of rebelled against the whole scene. Well, yeah, and then, you did. Right. And, you then did. Now, and now I'm, like, yeah. I'm over it. Right. <laughs> like, I, I don't have anything to prove to anybody no, anymore. I can dig, I and I'm can just dig like, that. Yeah, I'm I just like, well, that. like, let's, let's play it yeah. safe and bump. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah. And let's record it right. Like, let's get it sounding a little old, too. Well, yeah. I think that the thing that's really drawn a lot of the musicians that I've played with to you, you know, like when we've done blowouts together and stuff like that, is that all these guys, you know, Charlie or Wes or little Charlie yeah. or Wes or whoever, they, they get that you have big ears. Okay. And anybody that has nice. big ears. No, I'm serious. Yeah. Anybody that has big ears... That's somebody that's all right with us. I was. I, I mean, think that's really what it is. I can't. I don't want to cry right now, but it, you know, you opened the doors to some pretty heavy relationships in my life. You know, like and, and that one with Charlie was really big. Like, yeah, getting to talk about music with Charlie over the phone after that tour and stuff was yeah. like. And my wife loved him too. You know? Well, he yeah. dug you a lot, man. I mean, he definitely. You know, I mean, the fact smart. that you were, so the smart. fact you were, you were able to play a lot of the stuff because that was something I wasn't. I wasn't gonna. Let's do. go like I'm gonna go. Let's put it this way: yeah. I was not gonna go and play gypsy jazz with him, and he knew I that. Shouldn't you know what I'm I shouldn't have been. I shouldn't have been. He was nice enough to talk. Yeah. I learned more from doing it on that tour. Yeah. About how. I sh probably should have been doing it than, than ever before. Like, if he hadn't given me the chance to do that, right. and then I couldn't go, well, because I would go after the night, every night I would go, hey, what was that one thing there? And then and then how come it doesn't sound like 
like this when I do it, but yeah. it sounds like that when you do it. It'd be like, oh, you just need to get rid of the dominant I, seven. I think Charlie yeah. was very into sharing. He was, his and knowledge. people didn't realize. Like, he was he, very like, into sharing his knowledge, and he was also very into if he found somebody that was receptive to it. He just was, boom. Yeah. You'd be yeah. wishing you almost hadn't yeah. opened that door up. because I mean, the, just, only, yeah. the only reason that me and Charlie kind of, like, went different ways yeah a lot of it had to do with that okay because i kind of started getting a little more maybe standoffish about his ideas oh musical ideas yeah. oh yeah. shit i didn't know yeah. that yeah that's kind of i think that's kind of what it was because he was at the time that he really started playing with me he was way into gypsy jazz oh yeah yeah he was yeah. way into it and it was almost to the point of the gypsy jazz was starting to kind of almost infect the blues in a way well i heard that he kind of he kind of veered back into the blues i heard similar criticisms yeah. from an, i won't say who told me that but another guitar player said when he first started playing gypsy jazz and then would play blues that yeah, he wasn't the, mixing it he well. He wasn't mixing it well. And that yeah. later, he right. so then he stopped doing it. He stopped and, doing and then all of a sudden, it came together. Right. Like years later. And that's true. Yeah. That's totally true. And so by the time, you know, the, the, the Golden State Lone Star Band was really in the thick of it, him and Anson really had it worked out so that there was a real, it was a blues thing. Man. And when he'd play the Gypsy Jazz, it would be a separate thing. And that's the other thing, yeah. like Anson and that meeting Anson, meeting Robillard. I think yeah. I met Robillard through you. Right. I met, God, Norsha, uh, so many, yeah. so Soldado. many. Uh, yeah. Portnoy and I right. got to become friends through you, everybody. Yeah. I, I met so many of my heroes through you. Oh, that's nice. And I have wonderful relationships with all of them now. I appreciate And that. I look forward to more. And one yeah. of the reasons I like playing, well, okay, you know, one of the things that I would say is this, is one of the reasons I'm not rebelling anymore in trying to play more rocked up or crazy stuff or weird covers and shit is because there's so much weird shit in the blues now. <laughs> that it's the real rebellion yeah, is, is to play some, some roots. That's, that's kind of where I'm at, too. And I'm just like, I'm like, I'm like, listen. I think a lot of us are getting to that point where it's kind of like, if you play traditional now, that's the real rebellion. Right, it is. Yeah. Because, yeah. because like, now, because at least like, okay, you had some of the, like, well, with me, right? Maybe I was playing some crazy stuff, but I could play traditional. Right. I hired guitar right. players that could play right. that way. Right. It was only until I hired a guitar player that couldn't yeah. that I started going, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't, you better, you know, yeah. you've got to learn. I like, like that too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I am, uh, man. I, I'm brutal like that. It's you good know? to be, though, man. We yeah. have to learn. You have to learn this. You have to, but, but these people, here we go. These kids today, yeah. well, <laughs> they don't know any of it. They I mean, couldn't play you a T-Bone Walker it gave, it gave or me Robert Lockwood. It gave me a big respect for you years ago I when story, I was yeah. down in Florida, and I think me and you were doing a harmonica workshop at the Bamboo Room or something. Yep. And I was hanging out with your buddy Frank. Mm -hmm. Frankie. And he played me this cassette of you guys at a jam session, and you were blowing... This like you know, one of those Kimathon things. Yep. And it was it fucking floored me, man. Thanks, man. I'm not just I'm not kidding you, man. It was like when I heard the ideas you were putting through the harp and your flow. 
Yeah, I went, whoa, this dude is dangerous, man. I really did. Listening to you and guys like you. Yeah. That was what it was. And and that's what Pat never had. Like Pat Ramsey. Right. Never really had that. And when he would do those shuffles, those harmonica shuffles, they were so rocked up. Well, that's from playing with Johnny Winter. Yeah, it just didn't have that swing or that that sense of, of, of sense of backbeat, right? Or, or, or one being... Well, that's also right, the you know. southern rock thing, too. Right. All right. That was yeah. the one thing. I never really liked uh, a lot of Pat's rhythm sections. Right. right. You know, now, actually, I know those guys, and they're, now those guys are playing everything. Interesting. Like, yeah, but, but when they were with Pat, they weren't. It was yeah. just rawr. Yeah. Right. Well, I think, like I said, I think a lot of that kind of stems back to the Johnny Winter yeah. angle of things. Right. Know? But Johnny could play anything, though. Like, yeah. Right. So anyway, yeah. So David was so northern, big, northern big, Mississippi. like Indian black dude, and he right. could have like broke my arm. But anyway, I left that night um, yeah. after he fell asleep. I right. just packed up all my stuff in the middle yeah. of the night and left. Did you go back to Memphis? I went back to Memphis and stayed with Billy Gibson. I got a job in Jackson uh, with a band called The Hounds that Fingers Taylor played with six months of the year. Oh yeah. And then he was yeah. with Buffett. Right. So for six months of the year, I'd lose my gig. Right. But it forced right. me to learn how to sing. Yeah. And start my own band. And that's where I met Eric Deaton. Okay. And Eric is now like playing off and on with the Black Keys. And, uh, oh, okay. And, and he also helped teach Cody and Luther um, North Mississippi style guitar wow. from, from the North Mississippi All Stars. What a trip. Your very first tours with Big Al. How did you meet those guys? So, um, Pat had given me the gig in 95, and um, I lost the gig in one weekend. You're saying Pat Ramsey gave you that gig? Big Al called Pat looking for a harp player, and I lost the gig because of drugs. Wow. In one weekend. Wow. And then years and years and years later, Al needed a harmonica player. I was living in North Carolina, working in treatment like we were talking about Mm -hmm. before, and Al called me, and he said, I hear you're, you're three years sober. And I said, yeah, I'm working in treatment. And he said, listen, it's it's $700 a week, and we work every week. And where were they living? Were they in Nashville? Nashville. Oh, okay. All right. Nashville. So I, I drove to Nashville. I did a, a one-week tour. My very first gig was on Emerald Agassi Show. The wow. very first gig. Whoa. Yep. And I, I did a Super Bowl episode. Was of that in New Orleans? New York City. Really? Yeah. How'd they end up there? Um, all of Al's songs are about food. Oh. And Emerald loves New Orleans. Oh, and he had, right, right, And he had the right. restaurant. Right. And he had been in some little dive, and they were and Big Al was on the jukebox, and the songs were about etouffee and crawfish. <laughs> so that got him going. <laughs> so they got out there, and it was funny. Al was hilarious, cause, yeah. and Emerald loved him, because Al didn't care that he was Emerald. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and like, and Emerald was that's doing, a typical it, star thing, yeah. yeah, and, and, yeah. And Emerald was cooking Cajun, and sometimes he would ask Al, like, if something was right or whatever, and I'll just be like, No, like, you're, <laughs> you're doing it all wrong, you know, because Al really can cook. Can he? Yeah, I learned right. all my New Orleans culture roots and stuff from, from those guys, yeah, interesting. They were okay. into it because the. So they were all from New Orleans? Um, no, um, just Al. Okay. And then the bass player was from Georgia and the guitar player was from Iowa. 
Okay, wow, but, what a mix. But they, but Al, we would go to New Orleans all the time. Okay. And we would also bring, everybody in the band would bring coolers. And we would fill up the coolers with like Boudin and wow. Tasso and uh, all kind of rabbit and so alligator. So they kind of got you uh, addicted to New Orleans. To the culture. Yeah, the culture. And it first yeah. started through food and then... Um, and then when I found out about uh, like Mardi Gras Indian culture, but m- right. mostly Mardi Gras Indian funk, because mm-hmm. like I liked Al and everything, but the music wasn't my bag, right? At all, it was like I side of rock. I remember or you kind of told me that. Yeah. That my first time touring was rough. Like it was bittersweet, because like here I was. Now, was that the tour I met you on the one time we did a show together? I don't know. Yeah, we we did a show together at the Baltimore. Uh, uh, what was the Halloween Baltimore Blues Society Bucks County Blues Society oh, yeah, Bucks Halloween County. show? Oh, that was a great show. You were using the Sunny Junior that was long that had the eights. Oh, was that, it that, on okay. the floor? Interesting. You killed it that day. Oh, I forgot. You got mad at me after that too because I did an interview, and I'm going to get this straight. Okay, I did an in- listen to this, y'all. This this guy's touchy sometimes. Okay? <laughs> I did this interview where they asked me, they go, do you ever get any kickback for being modern? Right. And I said, I said, yeah, I said, but I don't care about it. And they said, well, why? And I said, well, take the best traditional blues band Oh, in yes, the I world. do remember that. And I said, and, yeah, I, and, and, I, and I listened to you. <laughs> and I listened to you as the best traditional blues band in the world. Right. And then I said, and they draw five people. And I got an angry email from oh, you. I the only that. part you heard was they draw five people. What you were saying is, I'm drawing five people, too. Well, That's what I was saying. Well, the best part is, it's yeah. fucking true. <laughs> I just didn't want to admit it was true. I knew it was true. <laughs> Thank you for saying that no, now. No, I knew it was true. I just <laughs> didn't want it out there. I think I yeah. was polite. I think I said, no, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't out, mean that. I, I just <laughs> didn't want it out there. But the thing is, I mean, everybody knows nowadays that's been the truth forever. Yeah, but I wasn't saying that yeah. traditional blues didn't draw. I was saying none of it is working, right? Like that, that I was but saying it's that. true, though. And it, it was really a finger that was being pointed back at the Bucks County Blues Society. Like, right. Or any blues society right. of like, listen, you guys, want you want to support this? Stuff, support it. Right. Right. Don't say, right. don't tell me that like I you know I'm ruining things if you're not gonna support the shit that you think and is that's, the right and stuff. That's, and that's the that's the reality of the blue scene. It's like what we're talking about 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 being a rebel if you're playing traditional blues. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like whoever thought it would come to that. Right. I mean, I never in a million years. I am such a curmudgeon now. Well, yeah, you've joined the curmudgeon club. Congratulations, Jason. The young buck is finally a curmudgeon. (laughs) I'll leave it after my set. You know, I'm excited. I I stay for like one song, and I'm like, what? I'm like, what are you doing? What was that? I I stay for one song of the next band after me, and I'm like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. What? Right. How is this even remotely I blues? Know, I know. Remotely. Yeah. Like, this isn't even, they're not even trying. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of people don't anymore. I know. That's how come, like I say, I, I've kind of gone with the, if you can't beat them, join them. And I'm going psychedelic now. No, but I only You could go this. more. The thing is, I'm going that only on a very limited basis. No, you're going kind of roots psychedelic. I'm going roots psychedelic, yeah. And you could go more. you got to go further out there. Well, the thing is, I mean, I, you know, part of what happens when you... And I'm sure you relate to this. When you change your style, you always have to consider, well, I don't want to alienate the audience that already comes to see me. 
Yeah, right. You know I what know I'm what, saying? I know what you mean. Because I've had people show up, for example, at some of my flashback shows and go, you know, hey, this isn't what I thought you were going to do, you know. And it's like, you know, they'll go, well, I like the stuff you do with Junior Watson or Anson or, you know, it's like, well, you know, I do traditional blues when I'm playing with them. I do traditional blues pretty much any other thing that I do. This yeah, is just a side see, I would take Kate to see the flashback show. Would you? Yeah. And okay. she would be like, whoa. Oh, good. Okay. And like, yeah. Yeah. And I would be like, whoa. Well, like, I, like okay. yesterday, I was like, whoa. I will try to woe you some more tonight. <laughs> I, I can't wait, Mark. I love you, bro. I love the way you play. Yeah. Well, I do remember. And you have a bouncy thing. To I do. remember. Yeah. Okay. I remember our conversation way back when you were with Big Al. I do remember that because I remember I was playing you was old Fleetwood Mac stuff. Yeah, jamming. Yeah, I remember that because I was way into it. I had just gotten into it, and I was really sharing it with everybody. You, yeah. Kirk Fletcher, all these yeah. different people. And it was kind of like I always said to myself, well, I'll never play this because it's way too far out for what I do. Eventually, I kind of went, fuck it. Why Good. not? You more, know? more. Yeah. So, yeah, so with that group, like, so it was a little bittersweet. Like, I remember opening one time for Piazza, and um, he had Henry on guitar. It was the first tour with Henry. Right. And... and and I'm back there, and I'm listening to this stuff, and I'm like, oh, man, like, God, I wish that's what I was doing, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, like, here I am finally on the world stage. Right. And it's like, what, eat more crawfish. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And, like, and, and God bless you, Al, if you're listening. <laughs> but, and I was, and, you know, and he had me dressed up in the suit. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he made me cut my hair. You man. That's funny that, aside sharp. from the hair, I'm back to the suits. Suit. I'm yeah. back to the suits. Yeah, yeah. Out of respect. Right. For me. Right. And my profession. Right. Plus, you put on a little weight, the suit looks good. Yeah, suit yeah. looks good when you put on weight. Yes, I found that out myself. Yeah, so, like, anyway, uh, it was a little bittersweet. And uh, and I remember Piazza came up to me, and I was, I was crying backstage because, first of all, the music was so good. Yeah. So Henry was singing a number, right. and Piazza took a break. Right. And he came backstage, and he, and he saw me. I was looking at Henry, and I, I was crying. And um, and and he and uh, and he said to me, he goes, "What's what's wrong, young brother?" And I said, uh, "I said it's just that the music's so good, and I I wish I was doing something more like what you guys were doing." Huh. And he goes, "Play the blues for a living, consider yourself blessed." <laughs> and right then I was like, "Okay, yeah, I got a job." Yeah. Just be happy and do the best yeah. job you can. Yeah. And I listened a lot to what Al said, and I learned a little bit more about Zydeco and New Orleans music. Right. And like you know the accordion parts and stuff. And now when there's when some of those old videos surface, I listen back to what Al had me playing that I didn't like because it wasn't traditional. And shit. you like it now? And I'm like, wow, that was really good. I should I yeah. could have done more shit like that. It was yeah. musical. Yeah. For what they were doing, yeah, 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 and they had lots of fans back then. That was right. big. They were bigger, a lot bigger than he is now. Right, yeah, right. Because he quit for a bunch of years. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I've always kind of, you know, been of the of the mindset that it's like when you play, you want to fit in with whatever it is you're playing. I definitely didn't. Yeah. 
I didn't. I mean, I tried. But I'm saying nowadays. Oh, yeah. Like, okay, expand on that some more. Well, I'm saying, in other words, if I'm playing a country song, I generally won't oh. throw in a bunch of jazz legs. Oh, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm That's not all. good at that. No. I, I will. No, but I'm saying... <laughs> I'll throw in country legs on a jazz song. There's, there's, people, there's <laughs> yeah. people in jazz and country that did that. Yeah, yeah, I know. You know, I mean, think about some of the guitar players that played with... You know, they yeah. played with uh, Bob Wills or whatever. Right, you know, right. Those guys could play jazz and country. Easy. Yeah. Yeah, and there's crossover things, mm -hmm. similarities, yeah. But anyway. There's ways it can be done that it can be musical. But I quit. I quit Al after right. a little over a year. Right. And I, what I had learned from Al was how to call clubs, how to talk to clubs. Okay. Like that there's a day that the guy is in the office. Right. And that's the day you call and you write it down. Right. And you remember the names of their wives and you ask how's Sheila. Very good. And, yeah. And I and you know, and hey, you know, this is your good buddy Jason Ritchie. Remember I was just there last week with or you might remember when Big Al I got a new band coming to town and hey, uh you know, we might not bring a lot of people, but I promise we'll keep the ones we have and all this spiel. Oh good. Interesting. And I had learned, okay. Al booked everything himself. Yeah. And, and he had a real um, uh, disdain for record labels. Right. And didn't, and, which is ultimately what limited him. Yeah. He got to a certain point where he was putting a lot more money in his pocket, but he couldn't get, he couldn't, couldn't get past that. Couldn't reach point. a wider yeah. audience because right. right. he wasn't allowing advertising to happen on a national level. Right. And that was, so I looked, I kind of looked at like, what is Al doing that's right? And what would I do a little differently? And geez, even to this day, I, I, in far as touring goes, I look, I go, I should do more what Al does, but I'm too nice. Right. He was, he was rough. Was he? I mean, if you had to pee, you were afraid to ask. Wow. Yep. That's like, that's serious old school shit. We stopped at Flying J only. Yeah. So yeah. if you, what, as a pilot, you're not going to pee. Wow. And there's a lot more pilots now than flying jays. Back then, <laughs> yeah, I think there was then too. Uh, there yeah. was then too, man. It was scary, yeah. 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 Yeah, but and like you know, and like I would like, you know, I would get into it sometimes with the bass player. I remember, yeah, yeah you were uh, telling me. It was me, awful. Yeah. It was rough. Racial shit. Yeah. All that. Yeah, yeah. All that homophobia, racial yeah, shit, right. politics. Yeah. Bush was president at that yeah. time. Nine Eleven had just happened. Yeah. They were all go go go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I and I came up very different, liberal, you know, right, um, rebellious. My mother had. Well, you're a Yankee. Yeah, my mom had friends who set themselves on fire. Wow. For Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah. And I was told right away that that whole thing was BS. And right. Don't trust the government. And, right. And you know, if you're ever, if there's ever another draft, and you think about, you know, you're old enough to remember and. I'm just old enough to, to go, oh, my God, I can't believe there was a time in this country yeah. where people were forced to fight right. for a war. Yeah. And then now we find out the Gulf of Tonkin was faked. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot, of, there's a lot, of, to, lot of wicked history out there, I man. I mean, that's almost like Nazi kind yeah, of it stuff, is. right? It's like, very so, scary. Well, the, the, it goes back to remember the Alamo and yeah. remember the Maine. So coming up, like being around those guys in Southern culture at that time was definitely a shock and stuff. But there's also so many really, really powerful, smart Southern people that are not like that. Sure. And I found them. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, holy yeah. crap. That's why I get really defensive. Like when some people start slamming on the South right. on Facebook, 
I won't write anything on Facebook because I don't do that on Facebook. I right. don't I don't mitigate right. anything in public. Right. But I'll call you direct and I'll be like, hey, listen, that was really screwed up and let me tell you yeah. a story about why you're wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'll oh, give yeah. them a beautiful story about somebody. Well, I mean, you know, yeah. the South is the South is kind of the I don't know how to put it exactly, but it's really the center of America's art forms. And, and also, I mean, if you think about it, well, it really is between music and writing and, and and acting and just so many different things that come out of the South. But there, there was also a lot of, of Southern activism and and not just, yeah, not yeah. just black Southern yeah. activism. Hell there yeah. were some hardcore, smart, intelligent Southern white people. Sure there were. And bands yeah. that were that were uh, seg- uh, integrated, integrated, racially yeah. integrated yeah, prior to the before. Booker T. All right, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was very cool. And then a lot of the New Orleans, <laughs> cool. a lot of the New Orleans acts. New Orleans yeah. is really nuts in terms of yeah. of like there not being a big racial divide, right? Yeah. In that, not just in music, like in the right. neighborhoods and stuff, and right. like how people generally interact, yeah. it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot more chill yeah. than other places. Sure is. Yeah. Even during COVID and George Floyd, we didn't have any um, any riots or anything. That's and, really interesting. And, and nor the the feeling like it was going to happen. Yeah. And we had rallies, and Kate and I went. Yeah. We went to the rallies to yeah. see and stuff, and they, they cut, there were times where it was uncomfortable. Yeah. But just because it was true, and yeah. like yeah, <laughs> you that's know what the I mean? thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, my my feeling is that you got to admit to truth in history. Yeah, I mean, it, it was... You know, if you're going to look at history, you got to look at it for what it is and what it was and and that, that, that white people have really fucked things it, up. It was pretty bad. You know. It was bad, and that was a, that was a tense time in this country. Yeah. And the pendulum swung a little far there for a little while. And sure it can. It was okay. Yeah. It was okay that it did. Sure it can. And I'm glad yeah. now that it's chilled a little, but I, I think it was an important... It was an important movement that happened. Yeah, and I was I was really proud of our city too. How we how we navigated that without any really big problems. Yeah, that's a yeah. good point. Yeah, because Atlanta didn't. Atlanta went nuts. Well, that was right next door. You know, I mean, I know yeah. it's six hours away, but that's our yeah. that's our cultural competitor. Right. Not right. just football. But to me, <laughs> yeah. to me, yeah. New Orleans is by far. I mean, no offense, Atlanta, but I can never work in Atlanta. Atlanta's been the hardest town for me to work. Me too. It's been really hard for us. It's sort of like Austin was for a while with outside, you know, yeah. bands coming in. It was like, well, we do that you to had you guys to too. Texas. We do that too to you guys a little. I mean, a little audience, bit, yeah. but not quite as yeah. bad. But I, yeah, I did fall in love with the city. Um, and I stayed in Nashville for 10 years after Al. I and, remember that. Yeah. yeah. I bought a house and right. I met a guy. We were together for eight years, him and I. And did you guys, was it some kind of storm or something? Was something, what was it? Well, I mean. Flood or a tornado or something? So it was, he left me. Um, bipolar disorder got really, really bad. Yeah. And it was to the point where people thought that I was on drugs way before I started doing them. Really? So I was like eight years sober when the rumors started coming out that I was on drugs. Right. And it was because of my weight. I had anorexia. I was starving myself right, right, and right, working right. out. Yeah. And on nothing, on no food at all. 
and staying up for two or three days, and I was getting into all this like occult. Oh, I remember, man. No, I talked to you on the phone one time. It scared the shit out of me. I was really into that, and and like uh, ritual magic, and psychology, and and, and, uh, like Nietzsche and stuff like that. And I. You went pretty dark. And he left. He was like, fuck this. And and so he left, so then I was on my own. So then at 12 years sober, the house, well, before the house got flooded, I went nuts and relapsed. And I lost the band. And then months after that, the Cumberland River overflowed and destroyed my home. So I had lost the band, my boyfriend, and my home within like a six-month period. Mm-hmm. And that's when I moved to New Orleans. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I said, that's, I know where I'm going. Now, did you yeah. sober up right after that, or, or no? You went to you went to prison at one point. That's right? how I sobered up. So I was in New Orleans a year. They sent me to Indiana to stay with some friends um, to get my paperwork done for Music Cares to get into treatment. The friends that I ended up staying with were two gay men, and they didn't want to help me. They wanted to have sex, mm-hmm. and I was in rough shape. I was detoxing from heroin, and I, I didn't I hadn't had any crack in days, and I was a mess, and I was physically throwing up and diarrhea and fever and Jeez. all of this, and they're trying to sleep with me. Mm-hmm. So I leave their home after after exchanging money for sex, and I le- which they didn't give me the money afterwards, and I, I lost it and left, and it was a horrible experience. The whole thing, like I, it's not the first time I had sex for money, but that was the worst version of that I've ever. And met. you were, and you were still on heroin at that point. I was detoxing. detoxing. Worse. Okay. Worse. I I did that. I did that whole thing while I was kicking dope. I was just. And was, what did you get busted for? If it should have been vagrancy and trespassing. I fell asleep behind a Mongolian barbecue, mm-hmm. and I woke up in handcuffs. And they accused me of hitting a police officer. I did you? No, I blew a .04 when I got in there, so I wasn't drunk. Um, yeah. I woke up in the handcuffs on the ground. Yeah. I was sleeping. So and basically, they came, it, was a, it they, was a vagrancy thing. They came and put the handcuffs on me while I was waking up, and then they charged me with assault on a police officer, which is a standard routine practice. Right. In order to get people, they'll, they'll drop the other two charges. You plead guilty to this, and you go through it, and they threaten you with 12 years of prison. If you don't have a real lawyer, right. you're going to take the plea. Yeah. You'll do a year with some probation. Hopefully, you violate your probation. These cities in, in Indiana, they don't... I mean, think about it. Incarceration, right? It's It's... It's medical staff, it's janitorial, it's construction, it's the it's the CO's jobs, it's sheriff's jobs, cops' jobs, judges' jobs, public defenders. That's an industry. An industry. It's yeah. an entire sure. industry. Sure and, it is. and and the and the cash crop is people. Right. All right. And it's enslavement is what mm-hmm. it is. And that's what they did. They and I was very bitter about it for like the first three months that I was incarcerated. I read a great book on this in Indiana. I mean it's it's a fictional book that was based in Indiana. Indiana has 29 prisons. Okay, the only state, that, turn the only state that has more is California. Yeah, and it wow. has quadrupled the population. Yeah. So look at what a what a cash crop it is. 
I'll turn you on to this book. You'd oh like God, yeah. I was so angry. And um, but anyway, I did. I did sort of start a reintegration of trying to look at getting sober again. And it's taken many years since then for it to really, really click. Mm-hmm. And by really, really click, and I know you're kind of a, a an AA atheist, right? I know we. No, no, uh, I'm not. Okay, okay. I'm not I, anymore. Okay. We shouldn't say AA. We'll say twelve right. step. You're program. twelve step or people yeah. in recovery, but yeah. but uh, for me, it didn't click until the God component. Well, I agree. Yeah. I'm the same way. And yeah. so I, yes, I. But I had. But the good thing about AA is. I got sober for the first time in 98, all right? I'm, I'm four years sober, September 20th. Um, so if you, look, if you look at my history, right, mm-hmm. there's two combined, three combined years of drug use since 1998. Wow. So you can say what you want about AA working or not working. Right. But the fact is you've been able to keep it down to that. If that was yeah. cancer... Oh yeah, that would be a yeah. high success rate of treatment. Right. right, and but but the last four years have been unbelievable. Like I've never felt this good, and this could be grateful. And like, right, right. And just what I want to cry right now, just talking to you. And you've been so patient the whole time, and you never judged me ever. Well, and you. you always treated me like, hey Jay, welcome back. You well, know what I, I mean, mean you know, and, yeah. you, one of the things about being in the program to me that's so important is supporting people no matter what their struggle is. The support is, is that's everything. It was good, and it really a lot is. of you guys are great, but it took also, I think uh, one of the things that helped it click besides the higher power thing was was New Orleans sobriety. Right. Which I at first was kind of like, hey, this isn't very good. It's not, they don't do the meetings this way. Right. And, and, and I, and I kind of, I kind of almost relapsed on that anger and like you know like oh this isn't right and they're they're too loose about it down here and instead of plugging in with the people and right. and then like when i got with like mike dillon and anders and and like joe Gelini and all of the ivan and zito all, i guess and yeah, zito yeah, too yeah. but but all the new Orleans sober cats i was like holy crap like these are my people like right. and, and i feel really at home here and now yeah. like and then Zoom has been super helpful. You took me to a great meeting down there last time. I was oh there. man, I'll I'll take you to another one. I, I got to invite you to our Zoom meeting. Yeah, yeah. we got a really okay. special one. Yeah, you're gonna yeah. love it. Well, we yeah. do too. We have a great one. I've been to one of yours, yeah. I think, or yeah. maybe two. Yeah, yeah. I got to yeah. go again. You send me a reminder. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I'll go. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. we're we're getting getting off the subject. Way off. So so you have won. Since you moved to New Orleans, you've won at least two Blues Harmonica Player of the Year yeah. for BMAs. Yeah, I've won two awards. since I moved to New Orleans. Right. I, I've won three total, right. and I'll tell you, New Orleans could care less. <laughs> That's always been the deal, though, in New Orleans. If it's a, an offbeat award would be a bigger deal right. than a Blues Music Award, right. or, or even a Grammy if you're not from there. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess we should all be jealous of Johnny Sansom because he's won offbeat awards, as I recall. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, there's a lot of gatekeeping, and it's good. Yeah. It's good that there is because yeah. they keep the music from turning into the Airbnb. Well, and, I, and you know? I think I think there's that whole thing of there's certain towns, uh, certain cities in the United States have been in institutional towns. New Orleans, Chicago, mm-hmm. New York, mm-hmm. San Francisco, 
L.A. is the most commercial of them all. Yeah, and then Nashville. You know, and, yeah. and, and Nashville. Yeah. yeah. And these towns, I mean, in a lot of ways, they kind of do need gatekeepers. L.A. does not have gatekeepers. New Orleans definitely does. Yeah. Because yeah, it will get out does. of control soon. Definitely and we does. can't lose that the right. way that music sounds. Yeah. Cannot. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's like like I was saying, it's, we don't want it to turn into the Airbnb Right. What Airbnb has done to the neighborhoods, we don't want that or to happen. Or Austin. Yeah. Oh, don't even, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but there's all these big cities that are real music cities that unfortunately have gone off the deep end in terms of the commerciality I of, think so. of the record business. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's really true that, you know, you need, you need a certain amount of that. We want to keep it real. We want to keep it pure. And it goes too far, though, sometimes. Um, it can. And I'm not going to even talk about why, but I have people I know that have been hurt. Yeah. They've been hurt by people. They, that if that you, people wouldn't let them expand into okay, whatever okay, they wanted. That, yeah. like, legitimately bad things happened in business. Yeah. And then some people used culture as a weapon to weaponized culture in order to hurt that person when that person was guilty of nothing of the sort. Now, how did that work? Uh, it's hard to, okay, so let's say, like, okay, so you have a, a, a two people who have a relationship. Right. And let's say one person gets drunk and doesn't show up and get on the plane. Right. Okay, to go to the gig. Right. And the band leader happens to not be from New Orleans and, and maybe his wife. Oh, I get you. And I then get all what of you're a sudden, yeah, yeah. he's New taking advantage of us musically. Right, right, because right. Because right. he fired me and he's stealing all my music. Right, right. When that didn't, it's not what happened. What happened was you got drunk and didn't get on a plane. Right. And now you're going to turn, you're going to say that the, now that you're no longer employed, right. you're going to say that this person is exploiting the culture in public. Interesting. In public and use and weaponize that. Interesting. Happens a lot with the the the, the Indian culture and Does thing, it really? things like that. Oh, okay. And that's I'm, interesting. I'm I could get in real trouble right now for even just talking about that. Yeah. But yeah. And, and Indian culture is no joke, bro. Yeah. It's really, really deep and really serious and really heavy. Yeah. And and I'll tell you when the camera goes off what I you know, what I know about some of the things that we do, we look at it as fun and exciting with the feathers and the suits and the... But there's a lot of deep gang history, I guess. There, yeah. You said it, bro. Yeah. That's yeah. what I didn't want to say. Right. That, and that's what I'll say now. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. And it's good gang history. It's yeah. positive for yeah, the it's community. Yeah, it's positive in the way that it's, but it got them out of that. Dude, shit thing. gets done. Oh, I bet it does. Yeah. I bet it does. Well, New Orleans is a fast—it's <laughs> a fascinating culture, man. Yeah, yeah. New Orleans is a fascinating culture. I mean, you know, and 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 you know, we're gonna. You bring wrote that. a song. You wrote, you oh, wrote songs did. about where I you did. at? Where you at? Well, Remember? no, that one I didn't write. That's that's uh, Lloyd Price. Oh, I thought you wrote where no, you at. Oh. No, I didn't write that. That's Lloyd Price. Where you at? But I did write one about about Katrina. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Good. Which I thought was a pretty good song, but it never got any attention. You just need to become a Saints fan. <laughs> I guess that's what See, it I'm is. always yeah. repping. Always, no matter what. Yeah. yeah well, always. good for you. Yeah. Good for you. And I didn't even like football right. before I got to New Orleans. Right. Yeah. I'm like that yeah. with the Warriors. Yeah. I, I, I started getting into the yeah. Warriors. Yeah, I didn't Tom like, and Mandy. I didn't like uh, uh, yeah. uh, basketball until we got into the Warriors. Man. It's pretty fun. It was really Warriors fun. Warriors are yeah. fun to follow. They're really yeah. fun to follow, yeah. So anyway, um, 
I'm wondering what else. You got a brand new record that's coming out. Right. That's on uh, uh, yeah. Mike Zito's label. That's Kid, called Kid Anderson Mixed It. Is it N Nola Records? It's uh, no uh, uh, Gulf 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 Coast Coast, Gulf Coast right. Records. Yeah, Mike's, I think it's I think it's uh, Mike's uh, John that's on. Yeah, working for Mike's great. Yeah, this is my second record for the label. I've never had anything like and it. And the Joe Crown one is on. Yep, yep. never had anything that's like it. That's a great it. record. The, uh, the 100 percent publishing. You don't argue. That's given to you. Wow. Unbelievably reasonable prices on CDs. Good. Once it's recouped, it drops even lower. Wow. Yeah, I don't even want to say it in public because yeah. I'm afraid it'll scare <laughs> Michael. Get me like, well, I don't, don't, don't tell people how good I'm treating you. Wow. It's amazing. Good. Oh, well, that's great. And getting to talk to a musician about yeah. stuff is way different than an executive who doesn't well, understand nice. yeah. that. Like on some tour, I could lose my ass, and I'm 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 200 CDs. Yep. And I need the CD money to pay the band. Now, how many artists know, does he have on the label? A lot. Yeah, that's what I thought. The, it may be too many. Who's yeah. on it? Everybody right now. Yeah. Everybody just signed Papa Chubby. Just really. Yeah, uh, Joanna Connors new, and then he had he had Tito Jackson right from the Jackson Five. Uh huh. And he's got me. And he's got uh, God. Who else? And then of course like Blood Brothers, uh, Albert right. and them. Right. And then uh, Mike Welch oh, that's just right. did a that's really right. beautiful, I heard that beautiful, yeah. is it good? It's really good. I've only heard yeah, cuts kid, off of it. Kid played it for me. Great, yeah. It's kid, really good. Kid Anderson mixed her new record. Right. Which was unbelievable. Yeah. I've never had anything like that. Remember on the old chess records when all of a sudden Little Walter's harp would have tons right, of delay? Right, 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 and yeah. then in the next bar, like on the forecourt, it'd be dry as a yeah, bone. He, he does that. He did all that, right? Yeah, and he and like and he that. did it on yeah. guitar and he did it on right. drums and he did yeah. it on everything and vocals. So in whoa, uh, Kid Anderson was too modern for me. Yeah. In the mixes. Like he put Leslie on my voice on one wow. track. And I was like, hey bro, like what are you doing? And then I and then I stopped and I listened to it and a few times I said, Okay, I'll leave it. Yeah, but like I, I was worried that he thought like I would like that because but I was trying to make a straight up, pretty much blues record, right? Right, right. There's a couple of songs that are not. So you didn't record it there. You recorded it in in. in I recorded it at Dockside. Okay. And I got Tony Daigle, who it was really hard to find a producer, because our engineer, mm -hmm. because every engineer wouldn't let me do it the way I wanted to. Hmm. which is live in one room with everything right. bleeding through. Right. And they all fought me on it. I went through two or three names, and they said, oh, yeah, we'll do that, but we're going to do that. I, I would dig deeper, and I'd go, okay, so no ISO booths at all? Oh, well, we're going to have to at least, and I'd say, no. And they'd be like, well, I don't know about that. And I'd say, well, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to try to find somebody. Well, I mean, that's how all the old records are. But it was really hard to find someone to do that. Yeah. And Tony Daigle was the first guy that was like, oh, 100%. And he knew what sound I was going for. Um, and I was telling him about a radio show in OZ that plays a certain type of uh, R&B blues and R&B rock and lots of Fats Domino and stuff right. like that. And I was trying to tell him about the overdriven tube mic sound and how to get this. And so he was able to get to that? He knew exactly what I was doing. He got me really, really close. Good. And Kid got me some of the the rest of the way there, but I'm not done yet. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give it another shot. On the, the next record is gonna probably be even more traditional. Really? Yeah. Because wow. there's still a few numbers on this that are like I don't know what it is, gypsy jazz or French or 
a little Dorsey on a couple of tunes and stuff, but the rest of it's straight, straight blues. And like, yeah, and I'm using like a little amp on one of the numbers with, you know, straight in, no pedals, nothing like wow, that. Good. Yeah, and like just, you know, and like just trying to play the best music I could possibly play. And That's great. Improvise, play off of the drums, guitar off of the drums. Yeah. And I finally got me a guitar player like Sean, like my old one. Right. That can really play traditional. And, and this is really, the guy that Brent Johnson yeah. who played right. with you, right. yeah. With and like that meant yeah. the world to me to like that he was nervous meeting you, nervous meeting Anson. It meant the world to me that he was nervous meeting yeah, you. Yeah, that he respected what we were doing. That's now. when I knew yeah. I was just like, yeah. I will do anything for this young man for That's his great. career. I will tour more than I want to. Yeah. To for him to be in the band. Good. Yeah. That's great, man. If you ever need a guy, too, you can bring him out. I don't okay. care. Uh, yeah. Maybe in uh, next time I come to New Orleans. Yeah, that'd be great. At this point. Yeah, yeah. I could get you a good backup band, for yeah. sure, of the yeah. people that will play your stuff the yeah. way it's supposed to be. I had a great time. I went down and did a tour of, uh, of the South uh, back in, I think it was March and April, and I put together a really good group. There's a guy named Skylar Softly. Oh. Therone Peterson is a drummer from Atlanta. I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. and then a guy named uh, Clay Swafford that's a piano player. Man, this I want a piano terrific. so bad. And a great bass player uh, from 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 Tampa. Oh, oh was man. that's playing playing with us on this tour. That yeah. that band you had in Pittsburgh, I liked. Yeah, that was really. Uh, a good I band. liked yeah. that group. That was really that was a good. A group. Nice I really want to do something with them again. Yeah. Hell yeah. Because that was really a great band. They did yeah. a fabulous job from that Stanford. piano player boy. Yeah. He was. Shocked. He's going to be a big deal. I think. I think yeah. so too. Yeah. yeah. He's playing with uh, Chris O'Leary. He plays in that band. Heart player. Yeah. 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 But 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 uh, uh, Brooks Millgate. That's oh, the name okay. of the, okay. the piano cool. player. Oh, good. You got it. You got it. Yeah, yeah. Brooks. Yeah. Yeah, Brooks, Brooks and Brooks Ted Bukowski played upright on it. And, I love uh, piano. Yeah, yeah. Taylor, Taylor Streif, real good. Nick's old piano player. The really? young kid, young kid. Oh, okay. He can do all that Pine Top stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Really into it. Now, is he gone? No, he's just in St. Louis. He still plays with Nick occasionally. Okay. I think he's on the new record. All right. And uh, But, you know, he can do the Otis band. Yeah. He can do all yeah, that He's stuff. gotten really good. Man. Really. Well, I should wrap it up because right. i got to do a rehearsal here. But, Jason, Thanks. always a pleasure. Love always you, Always mine. Have a good rehearsal. Yeah, man. All right. You're, you're, you're really a... You're a uh, this is the best. Yeah, you're really a, a, a great person and a great musician. And I love you, I love what you do. I love man. you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So we'll we'll do something okay. again on on your channel. All right.